Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb.Dot listeners. Um, we are in another session with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade. We are sitting here at Radio Bomb.Dot and we have another session of psychology conversation, psychology and culture. Talking about culture and psychology, today we decided to talk about uh, disability and the discrimination and uh, American um, Disability Act, ADA, that we often talk about in a wide spirit we see in employment, we see in education, we see in so many different areas of public places. But are we sure that the Disability Act is, first of all, um, the experiences that people with disability get is it really what it is supposed to be? And also um, talking about the psychology part in this um, and, and know that there's so many um, people with mental issues um, that are experiencing differently than what they should experience. So today I want to open this conversation with Dr. Alexandradi and my other friend, Dr. Daniel Rockers. Hello to my friends, Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade. Hello, hello. Shalom, shalom. And I would say, what is it? Ngai merme mobe shenavandika naz. Shenavandika aziz radio bandad. How is that? Is that close? <laughs> very good, very good, Dr. Rockers. I'm always very impressed by your Farsi speaking. All right. You're, you're too kind. You're far too kind. So let's jump off here. I, my question is this, based on what you said, Saide, to begin with, what do you perceive psychology's role to be in terms of Americans? What is the role of psychology? I personally think we need a lot of training, first of all, for our colleagues, um, our psychologist colleagues, to know exactly what uh, we need to be aware of, what we need to do, and also just be trained um, by knowing what the people with disability go through and what they experience. Because so many of the disabled, mentally disabled um, people um, are mainstreamed. Their issues are so mild that they're mainstream. And I believe those are not really understood well because a lot of people don't see their challenges. They just feel like they're mainstreamed and they're among other people and they're fine. But when you talk to them, their experiences is very different. First of all, when you are in minority group, you're already a sensitive person, regardless of how you're, you've been treated. So your antenna and your ears and, and uh, your mind is always, you know, set to look for something that, you know, you're sensitive about. But then the experiences they go through, as I hear, is not what you expect. This is one thing. And then also one of the trainings I took long time ago with two trainers that they were disabled physically though, very, very alert. 
they had um, psychology degree and they were training us. And of course, in education, there's so many rules and laws about disability that uh, you really follow by the book. But in regards to psychology part, I, when I took this training, it was really eye-opening. These two disabled um, trainers, I mean, they were physically disabled. They were going through so many details of their actual life and sharing that, which was eye-opening. And as a minority, I was relating to them in one way, which was, you know, the questioning that people um, normally do based on, uh, you know, wanting to connect, but then they make it worse. For example, one of them was saying that people, when they see me with my physical being and they go, wow, I'm impressed. Um, uh, you are uh, making me feel like what a difficult thing to do to dress, to be up, to be out. And she said, this makes me feel more like I'm different. You know what I mean? It's like mentioning that creates that question that, wow, you know, why should they even say that? You know, I'm impressed that you're you're out and about and you're doing your job. Why should they be impressed? Yes, it may take for me longer to get dressed, to get ready, or... Um, or also they were sharing that, for example, they do so many things in bed because they can't be out and about to do things. And, and one of them was saying, I have kids, they come to bed, I work with them in their homework, I do my work in bed. And um, she said, granted, we go through so much, but we don't expect people also make a big deal when they see us. So, um, you know what I mean? It, it's all these little things that sometimes we don't realize because we haven't experienced that type of life. So talking about what should we do, or I think we need a lot of training, to be honest with you, even though for years in education, I have been trained and I had to do so many things for uh, so many different kids in different areas of learning or physical disabilities. But still, I feel like we don't know all those details that these people go through daily. Yeah, I can only imagine, like you said, with that example, like, great, I'm, a, I'm an example for your life, how you're, you're grateful for those things that you can do when you're pointing out the, you know, how I do those things differently. Like, yeah, I don't want to be this walking, living reminder for you. And so, uh, yeah, I'd imagine individuals have uh, a lot of reactions to that. And something that I think uh, you're right, I think in, in this field, particularly, there's, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of briefly mentioned, but then just kind of assumed that because we're psychologists, uh, that we're going to be uh, knowledgeable and understandable and compassionate in a way where we don't realize the subtlety of what you say. And I think that's most people, they don't realize sometimes uh, when you say something or when you react a certain way, it kind of sends a message. Um, I, and I think it just starts with even language. Um, I think it's one of those things where this is something I've educated um, uh, my colleagues and, and staff members. Um, even when you talk about somebody with like mental health issues, you'd say, 
um, you know, an individual with schizophrenia versus a schizophrenic. Um, it's kind of a labeling an individual, just like we'd say, you know, somebody who's disabled versus an individual with disabilities. And so even that it's like, they're a person still, and this is what maybe they experience. So it's not like you're labeling them or identifying them just based on that. And again, I think it's one of those things that's tricky. And even as we talk, we might try to, you know, catch ourselves. It's one of those things that's, it's infused in the culture and, and society. It's like, oh yeah, that person's disabled or, oh yeah, this person's that. Um, and so it's something where even that is the beginning of starting to acknowledge how we view that individual and how we respond to them. I would jump in with not necessarily a contrary view, but an alternative way of thinking about it as well. And that is, is it, can it be okay though for such people to serve as role model? And I think that's another way of interpreting if somebody was complimented. It may not be delivered in the best way possible, or it may not be as tactful. But my belief is that most people, not all people, but most people really are meaning well with what they're saying and how they're trying to. So most people are meaning well. It brings up some of the complications of language or communication is what I mean. Because we've got, on the one hand, how was something delivered? We've also got how was something meant? And then we've got how was it received? Because I can receive, I can receive compliments as quite a cut myself if I've got some particular issue going on in whatever realm. So that's easy to do. And then it's, well, how did I feel when I received that? So there's really a lot of different things that I think are important to be dissected here. But I really think it's so important not to just criticize the entire mass of people and say everybody else is screwing it up here. Some, a lot of us mean well and stuff doesn't come out right. God knows I've many times have said things I did not mean for it to come out in a bad way. I had the best intentions, but it probably didn't come out very. So I think there's there's something in there about that. I'm not saying I'm not negating that something needs to be done. I think a lot of times people, if they hear that sort of a contrary opinion, take that. So I don't think that. But I think that this is part of the discussion we want to keep in in mind as. Very good. Uh, we are at the point that we give a short break and come back to continue our conversation about people with disability and also the American with Disability Act, ADA. And we come back to continue our conversation. I say a few words in Farsi. Shenvandegan Aziz Radio Bamdad, Salome Garmema, Behamroh Hamkaranam, Dr. Daniel Rockers, and Dr. Alexandradi as Radio Bamdad. Umidvaramke. هفته خوبی رو گذرونده باشین ما روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه از ساعت دوازده تا یک بعد از ظهر به زبان انگلیسی در مورد مسائل مختلف روانشناسی که قسمتیش هم فرهنگ هست psychology and culture با تون صحبت میکنیم یک بریک کوتاه داریم میگیریم برمیگردیم خواهش میکنم اگر کسانی هستن که ترجیح میدن به زبان انگلیسی برنامه روانشناسی رو گوش بدن ازشون دعوت کنین که برنامه ما رو در روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه دنبال کنند.
We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, and we are continuing our conversation regarding individuals with disability. And uh, we got to a point that each of us uh, just shared our views um, so far. And I was going to actually bring individuals with disability in Education Act, which is IDEA. And if you are in education, you see IDEA, IDEA, which is the abbreviation for Individuals with Disability Disabilities Education Act. And as we know, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, um, the law ensures that all children with disabilities um, are basically entitled to a free, uh, appropriate public education and um, the educators need to really watch, um, you know, to make sure that uh, they meet their unique needs and um, actually prepare them for further education, employment, independent living. And this is something that I was always involved at school. And we know that prior to um, individuals with um, the Disability Act in education, with disabilities in education, um, we had over 4 million children with disabilities that they were denied appropriate access to public education. And many children were denied even entry into public schools altogether while others were placed in segregated classroom or in regular classrooms without um, you know, adequate or the support they needed for their special needs. So we have come a long way, like many other things that, you know, we have come a long way for or with. Um, so this is also something that um, we have to really probably even work around it more so because there is still, you see that um, our lawsuits here and there, and there's so many court cases that you hear, or especially if you are involved in education, still there are issues going on with different schools. Not every school and not every educator really follows what they need to. I'm wondering too, I mean, I'd imagine, and I've kind of heard this uh, at times, just the struggle that parents have in trying to get their children access. Um, where I, I think it's one of those things where as a person not so uh, informed about what that's like on, on the academic side or the school side, I think there's this assumption like, of course, you know, a kid is going to get those resources. Of course, a child is going to get that help. Uh, but then it seems like the reality is a lot of times the parents have to be, you know, huge advocates and they have to navigate uh, this in a way that, you know, they, they never maybe expected to have to. I mean, what have you seen Saida, as far as, you know, ways that parents, you know, go about that or uh, the struggles that parents have in that? Yeah, I've seen all sorts of situations and especially with, um, um, you know, especially design academic um, plans for students, uh, IEPs, you know, it's mm -hmm. something that we constantly, I had to sit in so many meetings with parents and, um, and you know that their parents, majority of the parents, they fall, they follow through with whatever the school does, but there's a small percentage of parents who always have a voice and they bring a lot of challenges on the way. But um, 
I don't know if you guys know, the idea has two parts. Mm. Part A um, lays out the basic foundation for the rest of the act. Uh, this section actually defines the terms that we use within the act. And there's part B that it's a section that lays out educational guidance for schools, uh, children from three years old to 21. And one of the things that, um, and, and there's so many details on this um, guidance that by law, states are required to educate students with disabilities. This is the main part and provides the idea that created IDEA, uh, financial support from state um, and local school districts. So they have a special budget. Like in the last schools I work, um, I worked, we had um, over 7,000 students and almost 1,000 of these students uh, were under IDEA. So we had a huge number of students. We had four psychologists. We had so many specialist teachers working with them. Um, so a big part of our school was really planned to support these students and parents. Mm -hmm. And the person who was in charge of that department was well uh, educated in all the laws and practices and, you know, do's and don'ts and stuff. So, yeah, there's uh, parents actually go through so much, you know, mm -hmm. I've seen so many different scenarios and uh, my heart was always with parents, with the students, even learning disabilities that, you know, in appearance, you see the kids with no difference from others. But then when it comes to education, when it comes to learning, there's so much to learn about that, that kid. And some of the kids are so strong in math and science, and they lack strength in language, and they really suffer and they have such a hard time and that goes the opposite you know they're they're kids that they're pretty good in language and then they suffer from anything to do with reasoning and math so that's a part that i've seen in education but then i um actually see so many other things in mental and and we also had um a handful of um, uh, students with mental issues, you know. Um, so, yeah, I've seen all sorts of, um, you know, um, scenarios. You mean like mental disabilities or mental issues stemming from having a physical disability? No, actually mental um, individuals with disabilities that um, was a uh, under the umbrella of mental and affected uh, also their education, obviously. Yeah, so um, yeah, students with um, schizophrenia, students with bipolar, um, students with so many psychological disorders, and that's one challenge. Just, um, you know, when you think about this, this was one challenge and then the other was educational challenges. So. Uh, parents are dealing with so much um, raising the kids um, when they have these issues. And I think as psychologists, um, I think probably we need more training in all different areas. Because when you see a person, um, you need to know all these factors about that child or even a parent that comes to us 
with having a child with that situation. I think um, knowing uh, more about this, that's why when uh, Dan, you ask about what do you think, I think I personally think we need more training. Okay. Is it, I have another question too. I'm wondering, is the idea current, is the current idea that people with disabilities would have their own separated education or that they would be all the other? Well, you know, I've seen so many different, uh, because you have to have different options for students. Some are mainstreamed and some need a smaller classroom. And in my actually recent experience, because um, that was uh, actually online program, uh, then that was actually taken care of. But in the past, you have some that are mainstreamed and some that are in a special day classes. Um, so, and then also a different program for severely uh, handicapped uh, individuals uh, with um, issues that uh, you teach them life skills, uh, you teach them to cook, to take care of just simple things that um, it's individually helpful for them to learn how to use the uh, hygiene and uh, keep their hygiene going and so many details of different levels. And then also the parents buying into what they want for their children. So you have these options. And then if the parents agree to, you know, the options that you suggest as educator, they go with that. And that's the IEP, Individual Educational Plan. So you discuss as an educator, as someone who knows, and then they have to agree. So if a parent wants their child in mainstream, you don't argue. That's what they want. But from your experience, from what you have seen, you recommend and you say, well, maybe this child would suffer more if it's mainstream. But if it's, if it's in a small classroom, maybe that serves the kid better. Yeah, so in education, is a different story. You know, teachers actually, when they get their credential, they have to actually take a course in special education, in how to handle a child in their classroom. So they're pretty much well aware and they know the law and they know that they have to really follow through with what they need to do. But I feel like in public uh, and in psychology field, we are not as much aware as, um, you know, dealing with um, people uh, with disabilities. That's my take on. I think along those lines too, I agree. I think in addition to like formal training is important. And I think uh, not just for psychologists and therapists, but for everyday persons too. One of the things that uh, in talking with individuals with disabilities, uh, I've heard them a lot of times say like, just ask me, you know, like just ask me as a person versus just maybe this assumption or just this reaction. Um, and I found it in, in little ways that can kind of be so important, so meaningful. I've seen people have shared that, like, uh, like for example, an individual who is in a wheelchair, uh, they've shared stories like somebody just came up behind me and like grabbed my wheelchair and like started to push me. And it's one of these things. This is not like 20 years ago. I mean, this is recent. And it's like people will just assume like, oh, I'm helping you and I'm going to grab your wheelchair and do this. Or 
um, you know, an individual who is, is blind, uh, you know, a person will just grab them and say, oh, come this way, I'll help you. And so I think it's one of those things where just assuming that you're helping. And again, I think it goes to what you were saying earlier, Daniel, you can mean well, but again, it's one of those things that when you mean well, you also kind of have to check in with what the impact has. And it's that balance between the two. And so it is difficult in that way. Uh, I'm reminded of a patient that I had uh, who was uh, blind and, you know, I would, I would ask her like, you know, even, you know, cause I think it's one of those things you don't realize until you uh, are working with somebody who's vision impaired or is blind, even how language comes across. Like, you know, I'd say bye and be like, Oh, see you later. Like it's one of those things. And I was like, Oh my God, like I felt horrible. Like I'm saying this like small thing. And she was like, no, it's okay. And it was one of those things where we had a comfortable enough relationship. I could be like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. Like, is that offensive? Like I want to understand. I want to be respectful in that way. And she's like, no, like I'll see you later. Like I know that that doesn't mean that. And so, uh, and then even when she would like need assistance, um, in, you know, I'd, I'd guide her to the office. Uh, I'd walk with her. I should say, see, look at that as a great example. I, I would walk with her to the office and I would ask, what's the best way for this to happen? Like, would you want me to stand on your left or your right? Or like, you know, what feels comfortable, you know, most comfortable for you? And she'd say, oh, it helps if I can, you know, grab, you know, your left arm. And, you know, um, she was like, the way you do it is fine. Because I kind of walk with her and, and kind of describe like, okay, we're going to, you know, make a left up here in a couple of minutes. And, you know, the, you know, in a couple of seconds, the couch is, you know, here on your left. And um, yeah, I was able to, to ask her about those things. So I didn't know. And I think that's the thing. I think a lot of times people will, in not knowing, either say nothing or assume. And I think it's one of those things that's so important that if you don't know, especially when it comes to somebody's personal space or something such as, you know, uh, again, the help or support that you're, you're wanting to give them or they maybe need, you know, ask them what feels comfortable for them in that way. And I, I, I think, Alex, you brought a very good point. It's so interesting that, you know, I think the best is to act ordinary, you know, don't try to, you know, that reminds me of, you know, I always catch myself, uh, my shortcomings in many ways. And that's how I try to actually educate myself when it comes to different things. For example, when it came to race, I remember I was so trying to, you know, when I'm with um, people of colors to say, oh, you know, uh, my son has uh, an African-American friend. We love him. You know what I mean? It's like when you're facing with a black person saying that how naive maybe that is, mm -hmm. but you're trying to say, oh, we are, we welcome, you know, people of color. My, my son has, uh, but I probably shouldn't even have said that. You know what I mean? It's like catching myself tr that I'm trying to show that person how, you know, we are, how we, you know, have friends in our house. But then I was catching myself what a mistake, you know? So I think it's the same. When we don't know, the best is to act ordinary. And you mentioned this to ask them because many of people, because my experience with especially learning issues was you ask them, do you need help here? Because usually they want to try themselves. And because so many people jump in to help them, they don't like that because they have to go through that struggle to do it themselves and learn how to do it, even with people with physical disabilities. If you jump in and open the door for them, sometimes they don't like it. 
they feel like you are overdoing to help them. And that's how I learned that you have to always ask, do you need help? You know, um, or don't show too much of, uh, you know, sensitivity or too much of trying to help, you know? So it's a very fine line. You have to always watch, you know, how you approach people with disability, whether it's learning disability, whether it's physical disabilities or mental disabilities. Because as psychologists, we know the mental issues we know in other issues how we are sensitive and try to, you know, walk on shells, uh, eggshells sometimes. I think it, it this approach is all over. And by the way, the idea, I forgot to say, there are four parts, A, B, C, D, and each part is a specific to different guidances. Um, uh, and now if Dr. Rockers wants to continue, um, you can. Otherwise, we go to a break and come back. All right. Uh, so we we'll go for a break and come back to continue our conversation. Shenvandigan Aziz Radio Bomdad, Man Behamro Hamkoranam, Dr. Rockers, and Dr. Andrade Ambrose. Darhad Maitun Hasim, I guess, Sedoy Moro was up on the English Mishnavin, Moro's Hoy Shambo, Yak Shambe, Darhad Maitun Hasim, as Sherkate, Ririn Tefoye Tavono, Yak Sherkatis, Baroy Kumak, Be Masoel Ravonshenasi. برمیگردیم ادامه صحبتمونو در مورد آدم هایی که ناتوانی های جسمی یا روحی و آموزشی دارن صحبت می We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Anradi, two of uh, my colleagues from Tavana nonprofit organization. We are um, helping individuals with um, psychology and culture, which is the foundation of our work. And today we are conversing regarding the uh, issues with people with disabilities. Uh, and these disabilities is a wide range in um, employment, in economical situation, in um, uh, healthcare, in um, uh, education, in um, psychology field, um, all over. And as a matter of fact, I was just reading um, something about the internship. 
uh, of, uh, of uh, psychologists with uh, in their postdoctoral program that, um, you know, if um, they interview and they need to do their internship and they have issues of um, uh, disabilities and how they have to be supported and um, and they need some accommodations um, and, and what they go through it's really huge because they have to have all these accommodations while they go through their training but there is actually um, uh, an article about that providing reasonable accommodations to individuals with disabilities in internship sites and postdoctoral internship in psychology field. So they're all over uh, the issues. And I think until you don't experience it uh, yourself, uh, it's very difficult to even put ourselves into the shoes of what they go through. Because I was just thinking, imagine in your internship, you um, are having these issues and then now you have to find um, a place with all the accommodations for you. So it makes it very limited, you know, to be able to go through what you need to. Hey, what about what should people do if they find themselves feeling uncomfortable around people with disabilities? Because I think a lot of times this is a common thing and people feel very uncomfortable or awkward, and maybe that results in them saying some things that don't come out quite right. Absolutely, and I think this is the, the reality of our society everywhere. And, and I think if we didn't have all these laws, all these you know must do and must not do in our um, range of different things, areas in our country, we even wouldn't have as much as even we have now. Now imagine in other parts of the world that there's no law about this. There's no accommodation for these people, what they go through. Even here, when you say um, people are not comfortable, I hear that a lot. And even in that training that I was taking um, from two individuals that they were psychologists with physical disabilities, they were sharing that. They said people, when they see us with physical disabilities, um, they feel uncomfortable. They, they run away from us or they try not to even, um, you know, they act like they didn't see us. They want to actually ignore us. And, and it is true. This is the reality. This is just like any other minorities that we always talk about, they go through. You know, we still have a long way to go to educate ourselves and to educate our children, to educate the society, like many things that we have so far talked about. I think it even touches on the idea and it's kind of a... Um... Uh, kind of a simple idea it's like us versus them or you know like you said kind of the idea of normal and then abnormal and so it's it's we make those divisions it's like uh, there's me and then there's somebody else and when we see somebody with a disability or uh, we find someone has a disability because it's not always visible we are like oh wait you know i think we get into our head like well, you know how are they different versus kind of asking the question you know how are we the same and and just even on that trying to connect with that person on a level of you know who this person is or or something about this person versus just being and again 
taken back, but then staying back in the sense of, you know, not being able to connect with that individual. And, and I think it takes some, like you said, I think that's the uncomfortable part where it's like, am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I going to do the wrong thing? Is there a right way? Um, you know, what, what, the, what is this going to be like? Um, versus, you know, I think typically we can have that to some degree, but when there's a disability, I think people will react to that even stronger in that way. So I think it's, again, along the lines of asking, it's, it's about, you know, kind of moving forward with how can I connect with this person or what's something I can connect with this person about. Um, and then even just that, just seeing them as a person, not just their disability um, and, and recognizing kind of that you know, maybe unintentional bias or that just gut reaction and being like, wait, let me, let me move through this. Let me try to move forward in this way. It might yeah. be similar to dealing or talking with somebody who has cancer or has a bad illness in the hospital. You know, we become, there's sometimes is a fear that's connected with that as well. Yeah. And also, you know, when you don't know much and also, you know, there are all these laws and regulations, sometimes you're afraid of doing something wrong. So you try to get away from it. You know what I mean? It's like, it is true what you said, Dan, that sometimes um, you feel like, oh, if I say something or if I do something, I better just not get involved. I better send this person or this issue to someone that can better deal with this. You know, we are always afraid of making a mistake or doing something that is not right. And that could be also another issue to think of. But I was just thinking of, imagine, because I've seen someone with this situation, you are a person of color, you're already a minority, you are on wheelchair, you're physically, you have, uh, you are a person of having physical disability, and you are a gay or lesbian. So you have all these issues going on with you. And imagine how you're going to be in the society with people who are either against you because you're a gay person, you are um, a person of color, and what you go through. I'm sure I I've seen someone in that situation, but that person was hugely voicing what uh, he was going through. And he had many um, uh, sessions of sharing what he was going through. And he was actually inspirational speaker in schools, going from one school to another and talking to the kids about these. But um, I was going to mention something else that uh, the, one of the presenters uh, that I went to the session was talking about. She said, when I introduce myself, I say, I'm Dr. So-and-so, I'm a psychologist, I'm a specialized in disability um, and um, also pain um, or, and, and she had several um, specialties. And then she goes, I say, and I have two kids. And, and they said, the first thing they ask is not about the specialties that I have. They go, you have kids? And they said, uh, she said, it's like, they don't expect me to have sex. It seems like I'm disabled. How could I do that? And she said, that really is something that people 
uh, are surprised more than anything else when I say I have kids. And she was actually sharing this before starting the session about disabilities that, you know, people with their questions sometimes make you feel bad, you know, by maybe, you know, again, back to, is it ignorance? Is it, you know, what is it? I know there are people that they sometimes ask questions that put you on the spot in different situations, you know? I thought Alex said it was good to ask the questions. Or you said, <laughs> not good to ask the questions. <laughs> depending on... I'm on, a little confused. No, depending on how you ask the questions. Yes, if you need help. But, but if you ask questions about your personal life, and especially in a surprising way that, oh, you have children? How could you make these children, you know? I mean, the, the way he was like, she was explaining was like, that makes uh, people surprised um, more than anything to say I have two kids. And, and I think you bring up a great point too it, in, in sharing a couple of those uh, situations and the, what those individuals kind of shared or experienced. And I mean, it almost sounds too like individuals with disabilities probably one are aware of their disabilities, but then also two have uh, had to navigate uh, the world with the sense of this is what I'm going to encounter from other people. And so it, it almost sounds as though they've had to, or sometimes may there still are kind of coming to terms with what that is and how people react. And so chances are, if you're asking somebody, you're talking with somebody about this, it's not the first time they ever heard it. They're not like, oh, wait, you know, you're, you're asking about, you know, my disability. No one's done that before. No, this is something they maybe even encountered several times. And even like you said, with these presenters, you know, they even talk about it in, you know, the work that they do and how that uh, kind of comes up uh, pretty routinely in that way. I think also the other thing is, and it just wait till I finish the second part of the sentence. <laughs> like you said, Alex, people have been hit with this before and therefore they have become sensitized or sensitive to such things. Just wait, 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 wait. And so would most of the rest of us become sensitive. Like they're authorized to be. Sensitive. So I'm saying, yeah, they probably are sensitive to this and we would be too. So they're authorized to do it. Yeah, I can see that. So it can come from both sides. I mean, after a while, you're going to probably get tired of hearing silly, stupid questions or what seems to be silly, stupid questions or the insensitivity of other people. That's my guess. That's my take. What do you, but you know, Dan, I, I think this is everywhere. You, I mean, imagine even in your small groups of friends, even in a small groups of colleagues, even... You know, sometimes people ask questions that may not be the right question in front of everybody or may not really make you feel comfortable to share. I think this is not regarding even uh, minorities or even regarding uh, the sensitive issues are everywhere within every one of us. You know what I mean? In a big picture, when obviously... We know that people with disabilities, they're more sensitive than probably any other people because what they go through, it's, it's above what we can imagine. But then when you think about all other minorities in their mind, they think their issues are worse than anybody, um, you, you know, but so aside from those obvious ones, you can change people. 
you know, uh, you cannot. I feel like you cannot teach people, hey, can you, do you have that gut to say in front of everybody, this is not the right question right now, or you shouldn't have this question right now in front of everybody. You don't, you know, you always swallow and pass by or somehow politely, um, you know, say something that, you know, you come up with at that time. But I think, you face with that everywhere. It's not just about minorities. Don't you? You guys probably have faced with that too. You know what I mean? It's, it's about different things about you or about your life or, or about anything, you know? I'm still trying to figure out if you're disagreeing with me or agreeing with me. Both. <laughs> 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 I feel it felt on the like one, you were disagreeing, but the words you were saying were agreeing with me. <laughs> you got it exactly because on the one, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Because on the one hand, I agree, and on the other hand, I'm just talking out loud, probably. Because okay. how could you? <laughs> on the one hand, we need a lot of training about very sensitive issues, right? No, I agree. But on the other hand, I'm just saying each of us could be sensitive about something. I think how could other people oh, yeah. know how sensitive you are about that that little thing? Ah, yeah. Well, okay. I totally agree. What? But then where to go? I think that is, I agree. Alex, do you agree? Can we all agree? I think it's uh, kind of along those lines. I think it's knowing your sensitive areas and that way you're able to not just because you're gonna have an initial reaction obviously if you're sensitive to those things but then also to knowing that's a sensitive area for you so that you can then proceed in that interaction or that situation and i think it's different sometimes you say something maybe sometimes you don't um but that's i agree with you the world is not going to i think along these lines the world is not going to be sensitive for you uh whether it's well-intentioned or not so so you have to know that that's something you know, you experience, that's something that impacts you. So you can say, okay, how do I want to navigate this situation? Because like you said, Dan, a minute ago, like there may be times where you're tired of, of hearing that. And you're like, you know what? I don't want to respond right now. You know, it's like, uh, I don't want to deal with that. There may be other times where you're like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to, you know, say something or, you know, I'm going to advocate for myself or try to educate this person. Um, I think it varies based on where you're at and kind of what your you know, what your experience is with the thing that, you know, you're, you've gone through or you're experiencing in a way. So, yeah. I'm wondering again about the role of culture in all of them. How is, do you think this is universal across culture? I do. I feel like, uh, you know, yeah, I, I do in my experiences. It's, uh, it's just across cultures. I personally think that is, I don't know about you guys. Alex? I want to say it probably varies. And the first uh, thought that comes to my mind is just even how, like when it comes to age, like in some cultures, you know, age and people who are, who are more elderly are, are really revered and respected. And I'm just thinking like in our own culture and, you know, the dominant American society, that tends not to be as prevalent. Um, so I would say it probably varies because, uh, again, I, I don't know about disabilities, uh, how people approach that in other um cultures necessarily. Um, so I, I would say, I, I guess it would vary just kind of using that as an example. I think I, I agree with both of you. 
and not just to try to get along. But <laughs> I do agree with both of you. I think it is universal across cultures because we are all human beings and we all have these emotional reactions and responses. And they're probably to some extent mediated by cultural norms or ways that we've grown up, cultural expressions or expressing. There isn't, we cannot get away from, my belief is we cannot get away from our common bond across culture. We are all human and we all develop consciousness. We all have fears. We all have hopes. We'd be happy. We all get let down. Now, that is not to negate that people with disabilities probably get more than their fair share of things that we're talking about. Do not want to be misunderstood. Um, um, and, and that is why I think in every society um, within our country, you see that there are people who are advocates. Like, for example, for students, there are organizations that support people with disabilities. There are Black, Disabled, and Proud. That's, that's another group that college students with disabilities, they have created. There's National Coalition for Latinx with Disabilities. There's National Center for College Students with Disabilities. Uh, there's so many different organizations that they're advocate for their own group and their own needs. And uh, moving ahead, transition resources for everyone. There's so many resources that people with the efforts of people has been created to support that uh, particular group. So we are getting to the last uh, break that we have and we come back to final hours and sum up, uh, sum up our conversation. Shonamandagan Aziz, agar sedai ma ra be zabane inglisi mishnavin, ما از رادیو بامداد روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه برنامه سایکولوژی و کالچر رو پخش میکنیم به زبان انگلیسی یک بریک کوتاه داریم برمیگردیم دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم
We are back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, um, and we are at the end of our program about people with disabilities. Uh, we had a, a long conversation regarding different issues with um, people who go through uh, different areas of, of their lives uh, who have mental or physical disabilities. And now we are at the end of our program and each of us are gonna uh, say something to end our session. I'll jump I think, in. I was gonna say, I think Dan wants to go first. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Common courtesy. I think common courtesy is the key with a lot of these dealings. Common courtesy is a thing we often forget about. We often get wrapped up in our own issues, our own gut responses or reactions. But to the extent we can remember, be courteous and respond in a courteous way. That goes across the board. Yeah, and I, I want to kind of echo that same idea. I think uh, the the word I would use probably is compassion. Just approaching people with that, that humility, that compassion uh, as other human beings, other individuals. Um, we all go through different things, and we all experience things that you can't always see what the other person is experiencing. And so, as you approach them, just in a, in a very kind, compassionate manner, um, you'll see, you know, that there's probably more things that you have in common than you have different. Uh, and so just trying to connect on those commonalities uh, with that compassion. And I want to say, um, you know, we are living in a society that a lot of our older age people have Alzheimer's diseases and um, they go through so much, not only people that we talked about in different areas of society, but um, just thinking about what they go through and how much uh, support they need. Sometimes they don't have anybody. Um, I really want to encourage people to find people that they need support in their communities and try to roll up their sleeves and do something that would help if it's just visiting them. Because I know this is something that um, our environment is seeing more and more. And whether it's because of environment or somehow genetics, but recently you hear it's a lot in our environment. Just uh, think about even their families that they're working, uh, they don't have time to be with them all the time. But if you know, um, try to support them. And also what my two colleagues mentioned, just have compassion, just uh, be um, a human being and regardless of um, anything, just bring all those good part of your um, human and, and try to support as much as you can. And the minimum we can do is put ourselves into their shoes and at least have sympathy and empathy. And if we can do anything to support, then step in. So with that, I want to end our program. Uh, this is Dr. Malik Hafsali speaking. Uh, today I was with Dr. Alexandradi and then uh, Dr. Daniel um, Rockers, two of my colleagues from Tavana Organization. I want to thank them again for a wonderful session today. So we come back tomorrow to talk about another issue, whether it's current issue or whether it's any psychological issue to converse. I'm
Oh, shit, oh. 